Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here at Harmony. Let's get it out of the way. I have hair, all right? Some of you have never seen me without a baseball cap on, and this morning you get your prized possession, right? I actually have hair. So just so you know, thank you, thank you. Whoever clapped, thank you very much. Thank. Go Colts, right? All right, so we're glad you are here this morning with us at Harmony, whether you're watching online or you are here in person. We are thankful that you're here. Uh, Pastor John is on vacation today, and so he's getting some rest in Orlando. Uh, so if you would, we are gonna pray for him in just a minute that he and his family would have a great time, a great time of relaxation. And really for him, just to be able to rest and come back and just be ready to go uh, as he gets back into church. So we're looking forward to having him back, but I'm glad that he gets a break, a uh, little bit of a vacation here uh, to just spend some time with his family and get to, uh, to grow with them, but just get, you know, hang out with them at Disney is kind of one of those things that everybody wants to do. So it's a great time for them, and we're praying for that. If this is your first time here with us, uh, obviously Pastor John, as I said, is on vacation. We're glad you're here. Whether you're watching online for the first time or you're here in person, we wanna ask you to fill out a connection card. Uh, our ties have been down, so we wanna sell your information to the spam people. I'm kidding, we're not gonna do that. But as we take your information, we just wanna be able to say thank you for coming and being a part of our service or watching online. So if you would do that, uh, you can find it on our website, the connection card on the app. Uh, you've got some that you'll find around that you can scan the QR code on. So all of those things are available to you. Please fill that out uh, just so, in fact, the other day, I sent a text to our, ad, our admin assistant, Mary Nauer, okay? I added John and Mary in this text message. And I said, hey, just like, cause our power went down at church. So I went over to Cabin to get some work done, Cabin Coffee, and I sent a text and said, hey, just so you know, Cabin's power is on. All of a sudden I get a text back, who is this? I didn't even have our admin assistant's right number, okay? So with you putting that information in, it wasn't her fault, it was mine, but with you putting that right information in, it helps us save the embarrassment of getting that text, who is this, all right? So give us that information so we've got that, able to communicate with you, that does us a great service, all right? As we pray to get this service started, we would be remiss if we didn't mention what yesterday was all about, right? The 20-year anniversary of September 11th, 2001, and as those of you who were there in that day, who were born before that day and can remember that, that was a life-changing day. And I remember this act. In fact, someone posted it uh, on Facebook or one of the social media platforms and said, I never want another 9-11, but I miss 9-12. I miss the unity, the church is being filled, the rallying around, there's got to be something more than just what this world has to offer. And so here's the thing, today as we pray, I wanna pray for the survivors, the families uh, of those victims that, that passed away, for the survivors that, that still have the trauma that they deal with. But in praying for that, what I wanna pray for as Christians is that we see the need to go back out into the community and to tell people about Jesus, that there is something greater than this world has to offer. And so let's pray for that. Let's pray for Pastor John, and let's pray that we have a great time in service today as we look, as we continue in Mark. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are, what you've done in our lives, what you've done, Lord, in, in the lives of the, the, the people that we interact with and that we get to touch. Lord, I pray that as we sit here this morning, as we study Mark 8, as we, as we look at a, a, a couple of verses, Lord, my prayer is that these verses would touch our heart, not so that we can sit in here and go, oh, that was great, and then walk out and do nothing with it, but that, Lord, it would so impact our heart that we could do nothing else but go out and change the world with it. And Lord, as we remember yesterday, the 20 year anniversary, Lord, I wanna pray for those families who lost loved ones 
in any of the attacks, Pentagon, Trade Center, any of those. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to comfort them and encourage them in a special way. Lord, that it would be a time of reflection for them, but it wouldn't be a time of reflection on the loss. It would be a time of reflection on hopefully what you've done in their life since then, how you've comforted, how you've encouraged. And Lord, for those in here that were touched by that, I remember I was uh, being in DC, having uh, one of my coaches was supposed to be on one of the flights. Just things like that, that touch us. Lord, I pray that you would comfort, you would encourage today, but I pray that as we take that comfort, as we take that encouragement, we would then change that into action. And Lord, we would leave this place and we would give the gospel to everybody we meet. Lord, I pray for Pastor John that you would just encourage him, refresh him, restore him. Lord, as he comes back, I know he's just, he, he misses being here, I know that. So Lord, I pray that you just give him a great day today with his family, that they'd be able to enjoy the time together. And then when he's back, Lord, that he would just be refreshed and ready to go. We love you, Father. We're ready to do work in this service today. I pray as we worship, as we sing, as we read, as we pray, that Lord, you would just be in it and through it and all of it. You know, I pray, amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time. Like AJ said, we have to take negative experiences in our lives and turning them into positive energy to let God work in them. That's what this song is all about, letting go of those bad chains and inviting Jesus to be in control. Sing out with me as we sing this morning. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing that same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know that just ain't right. When there's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, Somebody testify. Aren't you thankful this morning? If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, 
If you can't feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Oh, if you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. You can trust him to break those chains this morning. If you're here and you feel hopeless, we can put our hope in Jesus. That's where all of my hope is. As we sing this song, sing from the heart now. I've been held by the Savior. pastor portion of me that has to say that because when you're in kids man you ask a question I'm like I have a dog like, okay but so you don't have to answer out loud all right but what weird I don't mean are you sitting in the seat that you always sit in every day or even why you're at in high school years and those questions are in your brain of why am I here and as the brain's rewiring itself and all the things that are happening and you're going would it be better if I wasn't here and those those existential questions that are going on in your brain maybe for you it was earlier maybe for you it was later maybe you've never even really thought about it but there still remains the question, why are you here? 
I wanna take a look at a video that I think will kind of cast the vision for where we're going today because here's what I want. I want at the end of this, all of us, not just me, not just individually one of you, but I want all of us individually and collectively to be committed to this, whole restoration instead of repair. Let's watch this video and see where we're going. Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible, desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling, a calling to make a difference to share the truth of the gospel, to be a light in the darkness, to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to do the work? So I don't think that we're here for our comforts. And I don't think that we're here for our, our benefit. I think the reason that we're here, I shouldn't say I think, I know the reason that we're here is because God has a job for us to do. That we are called to be much more than consumers of Christianity. We are called to be salespeople. We're called to take the product out not just bring it in. So my challenge for you today is this, I've already mentioned it, but will we commit to a life of restoration instead of repair? You see, restoration is the action of returning something to its former owner, place, or condition, whereas repair is the action of fixing or mending something. And here's what's happening. In our world today, we are attacking everything. In fact, Ken Ham gives an illustration. Ken Ham is the president of Answers in Genesis, and he has an illustration, and his is creation uh, versus evolution. But in, in concepts, he's saying it's the difference between humanism, which is obviously that man the best, and then theism, which is God. And so there's this base foundation, right? You've got this base of humanism over here, and you've got this foundation of theism over here. There's two castles that are on top of these foundations. And over here, the humanistic one has all the balloons, all these balloons coming off of it. It's got portion and the gender bank and uh, the you know, affiliate, like all of the stuff on these balloons over here. And then on this foundation of theism, you've got these balloons that are. And so we're going hardcore, man, that this one is wrong. And pow, let's shoot it. And even if we pop the balloon, it's just going to come back because the foundation is still there. And so many of us get discouraged because, well, what is the world coming to? It's so terrible. The world is awful. How could we raise our kids in this world? Well, yeah, 
because we keep popping off balloons, but there's still this foundation of humanism, whereas man makes the best decision and man is God, that we're not attacking. And the only attack that works on that is Jesus. We cannot attack with anything else. Sure, we can you know, send bullets at the balloons and here's what scientists say and here's some info on that and, and, all, and we can attack the balloons, but they always just come back up because the foundation remains the same. So instead of being a child of God that's committed to repairing, and by that I mean shooting at the balloons and then fixing a problem, would we be a child of God that is committed to restoration, renewing something into its former place or renewing something to its previous owner? And that's what I wanna talk about today. Will you be committed to a life of restoration instead of Repair. Let's look at Mark chapter 8, just a couple verses here, but I feel like we get a lot of information out of it. Mark chapter 8, and by the way, one of the good things about having a next-gen pastor speak is you know you get out of here on time. All right, Mark chapter 8. You can only hold students' uh, attention for so long. Mark 8, verse 22. Then he, Jesus, came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. By the way, who begged him? The friends did, the people that brought him. Verse 23, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. So the guy looks up and says, I see men like trees walking. So he must have been in the NBA, right? Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was, here's our word, restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sends him away to his house. And we will deal with this, but it's so odd, saying neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. All right, so here's the thing. I believe if I had to title today's message, uh, I would title it the disciple formula, okay? I'm not a math guy. In fact, you look at my grades, you would know that I'm not a math guy, all right? But there's a formula that we find in just these couple of verses that I feel like helps us when we're talking about this life of restoration instead of just repair. And the first part of, uh, of our equation is going to be that they brought the individual. They being the friends, the people around, whoever, okay? But when we talk about that, these, these people in verse 22 that says, and they brought him, uh, a blind man to him, we kind of start asking ourselves questions, all right? Like, like where, how did they find this blind man? Who are these people? How did they bring him to Jesus? All the different stuff, right? So here's something I wanna deal with. Where do I find if I'm gonna be committed to a life of restoration, where do I find people in need of restoration? Because a lot of us have a mindset that people in need of restoration are in the, the uh, dredges of society, right? Like we have to just stoop down to their level in order to pick them up and bring them to Jesus. But I wanna combat a mentality that I had, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying you had it at all, okay? It's just me. But when I moved, I moved from East Coast to Indiana in 2012. Uh, then we moved back to the East Coast and we came back to Indiana because we couldn't get away, right? So we came back to Indiana. But one of the things that I had to combat in my own mind, in, on the East Coast where I grew up right outside of DC, you could talk to a lot of people about Jesus and most of them didn't know who he was. Like most of them didn't go to church. Most of them had never been approached with the gospel before. And then I moved to Indiana. And when I would talk with people, about Jesus, in fact, it wasn't about Jesus, most of the time I copped out and just invited them to church, but I would say, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And most of them say, yeah, I grew up in this church and so I'm there. And so my mentality went to, 
that everybody in Indiana already knows Jesus. Because every, I felt like everybody I talked to was responding with that they went to church. Now, I know you guys aren't little kids, but let's talk about this. Just because someone goes to church doesn't that they know Jesus. So in my mind, that's where I was, that the church, they knew Jesus. And it was, I started to see everybody I met at Starbucks or Cabin Coffee. I love coffee. I mean, it was, I was already saying that they already knew Jesus. The couple people I had talked to previously put me in the gospel process. And what I've come down to, and again, you have to do your own war. All right, I'm not fighting the war for you. You have to do your own war in your mind and in your conscience. But what, I, what I've come down on is that Jesus caused me to go and give the gospel to every single person until I know that they know. Not that I assume that they know, that I know that they know. And a lot of us have relinquished control because, of, oh, they go to church. Whew. I don't have to talk to them about Jesus then. And we've taken a step back because we've assumed that they know Jesus instead of knowing that they know Jesus. Let me tell you something. I've never asked somebody who knows Jesus if they know Jesus and then get angry at me, ever. In fact, what mostly happens is, and I'm not trying to say this to be stupid, they normally feel guilty because they didn't ask if I knew Jesus. So normally there's this, yeah, I do. Man, th thank you for asking me that. I probably need to ask more people that. I've never had someone be like, how dare you? Of course I know Jesus. Like never had that. I've only had people say, thanks for asking. I do know Jesus, but yeah, I need to ask more people that too. Thanks for, thanks for having the courage to do it. So don't assume that the people around you know who Jesus is. Don't assume that. Make sure they know who Jesus is. And this, this group of individual, these friends, I think of the four friends that let the man down, the paralytic man down uh, through the roof with Jesus in that miracle. So if I say four friends, that's where my mind is. There's no, it doesn't tell us how many people are there bringing him, okay? But these friends of his are bringing this individual to Jesus. They're not trying to fix his blindness. <laughs> Nobody in this group is saying, all right, yeah, I can do this. But here's what they had to do. This blind man, now I know, stay with me, couldn't see anything. I know. <laughs> You're learning stuff today, right? He couldn't see anything. These friends, these whoever's, have to come to this man and say, hey, we have an idea. Let's go on a little trip. And we're gonna walk you, because remember, you can't see. We're gonna walk you to find this man that people have said doing miracles in hopes this man will heal your blindness. I imagine just anybody who's dealt with practice in here probably thought there's no hope because I bring someone to Jesus. I'm not gonna give you the, there is no silver bullet, all right? You're, the track that looks like a $100 bill you leave on the table is worthless, all right? There's, there's only so many things that you can do as a person to bring someone to Jesus. You wanna know why? Because you're not responsible for them actually coming to Jesus. You're responsible for bringing, bringing them to him. But here's the thing. How do I do it? Okay, you can Google search the little, what are some methods or ways. But the best way that you can convince someone to walk with you to Jesus is by your love and care for them. No no one, think about yourself, all right? If someone just came to you today, and let's just, let's just use you literally today as an individual. Someone comes to you today and says, hey, I want you to come with me to this convention, and it's gonna solve everything. You, who don't know this person, are gonna be like, 
thanks, but no. And if you do go, good on you. I ain't going, all right, because I don't know the person. Now, if a friend of mine came and said, hey, we need to hit this convention, man. It's awesome. You need to come see it. I might go. You want to know why? Because I have a relationship with him. I have a friendship that's there. And the way that friendships work, if you don't know, is mutual love and care for one another. So as a believer in Jesus, the first step of how I go about being in a life of restoring instead of repairing is I love and care for people around me. Now, hear me. This may be annoying to some of you. Love and care is not you sighting a rifle at their balloon. Love and care is loving them and caring for them where they're at. You know that Jesus, if he were here, he wouldn't sit at any of our tables. You know where he'd sit? Publicans and sinners, baby. He ain't sitting with us. You wanna know why? Because the sick are the ones that need a physician, not the ones who are whole. And so here's the thing. How do I go about living a life of restoration, love and care for people around you, no matter what balloon they're holding. Because hey, you're not responsible for the balloon they're holding. We're not gonna get to heaven. At the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus looks at me and says, AJ, I'm tired, can you take over for a minute? Jesus is the one who convicts and who pops the balloon, not you. You wanna know why? Because if you pop their balloon, number one, probably the relationship is not as good as it was. Secondly, they're just gonna reinflate it because the foundation hasn't changed. The war cannot be on the balloons. It cannot be on the, on the extras, the outsides. It cannot be on that. It has to be on the heart issue. It has to be on who Jesus is because Jesus, by the way, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit here in a minute. Jesus is the one that convicts of sin. Jesus is the one that actually does the restoration. Jesus, 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 not AJ. Do you know that the only part of this formula that is dependent on me is me literally bringing that person face to face with Jesus? That's the only part dependent on me. Because here's the thing, after we have this idea of bringing the individual, then we add the second part of the formula, which is he took the individual. Jesus takes him. I love this part. Look at verse 23. It says, so he, being Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. It's interesting to note here that the, this Bible, in this verse, that Jesus takes the hand and leads him away from what he was used to. They already bring him outside of the town and then Jesus, or into the town, and then Jesus takes him from Bethsaida, grabs his hand, and leads him away. Again, this man is blind. Jesus takes his hand. There's not healing that happens right there. We know that from later in the passage. So Jesus takes his hand and begins to lead him away from what he knew, away from where he was comfortable. If you were blind in that day, you didn't go traveling. You didn't go walk in the streets, okay? You were, you were blind, and there weren't the same types of things we have today to aid with blindness. There was just blindness. In fact, many of them were beggars. They would sit on the side of the road and beg for money because they couldn't work. So Jesus takes the hand of this blind man and begins to walk him away from where he was comfortable and where he felt safe. And Jesus takes him away from that comfort zone to offer him restoration. 
So what happens when we bring an individual to meet Jesus face to face? Remember, our only part of the formula that's dependent on us is bringing that person to Jesus. Then Jesus takes over. We're Baptists, right? So a lot of us don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, all right? When someone brings someone face to face with Jesus, when you as an individual bring someone face to face with Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes over. That's why one of the frustrations for me, for me, like as me, but also when I like look at Christianity as a whole, one of the frustrations is people are like, well, I don't know what to say. Do we not think that the God who spoke the world into existence could not give you the words to say? Like, are we that concerned that the Holy Spirit could not say, there you go, here's the words. Are we that concerned about that? I am. Most of the time, the reason I don't talk to somebody is I'm like, well, what, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? I don't need to know the answer to it. You wanna know why? Because I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. And I'm pretty sure just like Jesus is a better person at dealing with the balloons, the Holy Spirit is a better person at dealing with the answers. So when I bring this person to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes over. When Jesus left, he promised that, the whole, that his followers would have the Holy Spirit. So right now in this story, Jesus is on the earth, right? They're, they're literally face to face. But when we're bringing someone to Jesus, it can be in a coffee shop, it can be at work, it can be in your home. One of my goals has been for a long time to lead people to Jesus in my home. I want my home to be a place of restoration, not just repair. I want my kids to be restored, not just repaired. I want my house to be a representation of God's work. Now, is it always gonna be? No, but I strive that my house is a place of restoration and I want people to come and I want them to know Jesus when they get there, or at least I know that they know Jesus before they leave. In this life of restoration, we have to let the Holy Spirit do the work. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a dog that you can put a leash on. You may not like the person that God is calling you to tell about him. And you cannot leash the Holy Spirit, bud. You can't. The Holy Spirit is much stronger and much greater than you will ever be. And when you start to put a muzzle on that and say, no, not them, Jesus is gonna get it, all right? Jesus is not looking going, well, if you don't want them to know me, I guess I won't tell them. Like, that ain't gonna happen. You just won't be a part of that restoration process. He'll bring somebody else into that, and you miss the blessing of that restoration process. Listen to uh, these verses from Luke 12. It says in, in verse eight, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the son of man also will confess before the angels of God, but he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Why? For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
When we bring an individual to Jesus, when we commit to a life of restoration and say, this person is loved for and cared for by God and they are deserving of knowing Jesus as their personal savior. And so I'm gonna be the agent of love and care for them for the reason of bringing them face to face with us. Then the Holy Spirit will give us a hard time to talk about Jesus. Instead of trying to say, we have pastor and all those, but instead of trying to say all the 10 commandments in order, all the stuff, let Holy Spirit do the work. The Holy Spirit's the one doing work anyways. And you let you and him getting the glory because you brought this person to Jesus, okay? So the Holy Spirit takes them, okay? Jesus takes them, the Holy Spirit intervenes, but then the Holy Spirit touches them. One of the fascinating things in this passage is that Jesus touches the hand of the man, takes his hand and brings him along. And I'm not saying like, you know, that, that there's some like crazy allegory in him taking the hand, but let me, let me put my spin on the passage for just a second. Okay, any of you watching online, any of you listening later, everybody here in the room, this is not Bible, this is AJ. This is the AJV, okay? I think that the reason Jesus took the hand of this individual was because this individual needed to understand that Jesus in just a little bit was going to take everything of that individual onto himself. All the burdens, cares, sins, transgressions, everything was gonna be placed on Jesus on the cross. And so when Jesus took the hand of this man, it was not just, I mean, again, this is the God who spoke the world into existence. I'm pretty sure he could say, follow the sultry sound of my voice and the man's gonna follow him, okay? Like I'm pretty sure that God could guide with his voice. But instead he reaches over and takes the hand. Again, this is the AJV. I think it's because Jesus wanted to take that man where he needed to go. Again, the Holy Spirit touch here, but I think that that man needed to understand what Jesus is asking me to do is not just to receive restoration for my sight. What Jesus is asking me for, for me to do is to place on him all of the things that I have, all the baggage I carry. Jesus is asking me to give that to him, not just my blindness. And so Jesus takes the hand of this individual. Imagine if you're the blind man taking the hand that in just a short time is gonna have a nail driven through it for you. Like imagine that. The blind man is probably still alive at the time unless something else crazy happened. The blind man's probably still alive at the time Jesus is crucified. I don't know that he was there, but imagine realizing that the man who just, however many times or days or whatever months previous, you held the hand of now had a nail driven through it. Imagine. But this man, Jesus takes out. And uh, as beautiful as that act is, it gets a little different. Jesus takes the hand of this man, brings him outside the town, looks at him. You know, this man, by the way, had only heard rumors about his miracles. He's not seen them. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're dumb. He's not seen the miracles. He's only heard about them. So he leads this man out. <laughs> the dude's blind, okay? You're standing there waiting for some sort of instruction and all of a sudden, you get something in your eye that's wet and you're like, what? And just about the time there's, was that? You get it again in the other eye. Like imagine going to your doctor, 
right? Today, he's, you sit up on that really super uncomfortable bed, and all of a sudden he goes, hey, close your eyes for just a second. Boom, right in your eye. Okay, none of you would be like, I think I'll keep this guy, all right? You'd all be like, we're out, all right? No one's wanting to get spit in the eye. In fact, we look at spitting on someone's face as an insult, not a healing process. So Jesus looks at this guy and spits in his eye. However, as the man is standing there, obviously speechless, because what do you say, right? I mean, you've got saliva sockets now that just are dripping, like, what do you say? And the moment that I'm sure this man is trying to find the words of like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? All of the things that would go in through all of our minds, Jesus touches him. He puts his hands on him. And in that moment, the restoration process begins. The Holy Spirit touch. When you bring someone to Jesus... You don't have to spit on them, don't worry. But when you bring someone to Jesus, the Holy Spirit intervenes and it's the Holy Spirit who touches that heart, not you. You're not responsible for that. The only thing dependent on you is bringing that person to Jesus and then letting Jesus do the work. By the way, that person still has the ability to say, I'm not accepting the Holy Spirit's touch. And that ain't on you either. You're responsible for bringing that person to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to intervene and touch. And then that person is responsible for what they do with that touch. But in this story, we see the final part of the, the, the formula here, the disciple formula. So they bring the individual plus Jesus takes the individual equals whole restoration of the individual. Yes, Jesus restores this man's eyes. He brings the sight but he brings him back under. Remember, restoration was to bring back under former ownership. He redeems this man. He restores this man. He brings him back to full restoration, ownership under the one who dies for him, the one who created him, the one who speaks for him. We must remember that the restoration process is not our process. It is Jesus's process. The whole purpose of man, in fact, God gives it to us, that is to love God and love others. That's our responsibility. Listen, I understand that the comforts of this world are great. It is nice to have a running vehicle. It's nice to have a heated or cooled, and in Indiana, it changes daily, house. It's nice to have planes we could fly to Florida, praise God, to get on the beach. Like, it's nice to have all of those things and the ability for all of those things. But do you realize that none of those things are part of your calling from God? Now, we can use those things for that, but I feel like as Christians, and maybe I'm preaching at me and that's fine, but I feel like as Christians, sometimes we end up sitting down and be like, I'm comfortable, man. This is nice. And God didn't call us to a life of comfort. In fact, well, I know the, the whole U-Haul adage is so overplayed as far as when you die, you don't have to pack a U-Haul with you. But let's say you get to the last day of your life, you're still cognizant, you can still understand everything, and, and right before you die, you remember everything you had done in life. Most of us have a couple things that we want to happen. We want our family to be taken care of and that we did right by our family. For most of us, that's something that would go through our mind that I, if, I, if things aren't right, I wanna make it right with my family because family would be something we wanna settle. But no one sits on the last day and says, I'm so glad I'm a multi-billionaire because money doesn't help the next day. 
Again, it's not bad to provide for your family, and I'm not against money. Believe me, if you're a multi-billionaire, I'll take some off your hands. But uh, I'm not against money. But at the end of our life, what actually matters? What's, why were you here? Was it so when you get to heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, she just goes, woo! It was Jeff Bezos, and now we've got AJ Runkles, baby. Look, that's VIPs entering heaven. You get the biggest mansions because you had the biggest mansions here. No, that's not what happens. When we get to heaven, Jesus doesn't say, how much money did you make? He doesn't say, how do you enjoy your job? He doesn't even say, really, with your family, was everything great? What he says is, the things that you did, did they accomplish the mission I gave to you? Did you love me? Did you love others? And did you follow the Great Commission? Did you go and make disciples of all people? So we know from this story, by the way, and let's deal with the, the end of it uh, so we can move on to application. The, when Jesus says to him, don't go into the town or tell anyone in the town, here's what I believe and I feel like other scholars, I'm not a scholar, so scholars believe along with me is that um, this man came out of the town, Jesus met him there, took him by the hand and brings him out of the town. The people that were in the town could have walked out and seen God do the miracle, seen Jesus do the miracle, but they chose instead to remain in the town either by lack of faith or disbelief or whatever. And so what Jesus was saying was not, don't go tell anybody about it. He qualifies, don't go into the town and tell the people in the town. And the reason being is other people came out with them to watch. That's why he sees the, the tree, the men like trees walking around, right? That's why he sees all of those things going on. So in the midst of all of that, these people are all around watching what's happening, going on, seeing that Jesus is intervening and Jesus is touching and this man's getting restored, but the people in the town chose to stay back. So I think, and again, I think others agree with me, that the reason he says this is because they did not want to see, or because they disbelieved, because they didn't put their faith in what was going to happen, don't go back and let them be a part of the miracle. Don't bring it back to them and say, hey, here's what God did, because they didn't believe it in the beginning. God, Jesus walked away, healed a single person, like, okay, there are other things, it was only. A lot of us want to preach Jesus and something else. That, that you need to agree with me on this. Hey, let's, let's talk about it for a minute. Whether you're on this side of the vaccine or that side of the vaccine, you can't preach Jesus and the vaccine or Jesus and the anti-vaccine. That ain't how it works. You preach Jesus only, okay? Now, you can have, you, you can have your beliefs about the vaccine or whatever, that's, that's your thing, but Jesus doesn't need anything added to him. You don't need to convince somebody that this political affiliation is wrong in order for Jesus to deal with them or for Jesus to want to speak to them. Remember, Jesus did not go to the people that were whole and sit with them. He went to the people who were sick. He went to the publicans and the sinners, the people that no one wanted to be around and said, I'm gonna hang out with them. You wanna know why? Because they need to be healed. So instead of us individually, collectively, nationally, having a mindset that we need to deal with all of these balloons in order for uh, our nation or for our families or whatever to get back to being safe again. What if we understood that Jesus never really called us to a life of safe, safety? Like where in scripture do we get it that Jesus called us to a life of safety? In fact, what Jesus called us to was a life of radical faith that he would provide our next meal 
He would provide our next day of health. He would provide this and this and this, and that's what he called us to. So I'm just, I, this is what I fully believe Jesus has been working on my heart for a long time on. Preach Jesus only. Man, don't get caught up in the balloons because number one, it's not gonna help them. And number two, it's gonna be really, really, really discouraging for you. When you pop that balloon, you walk away from it, turn around and they're huffing and puffing, blowing it back up, all right? It's gonna be really discouraging. So instead of attacking the balloons, let's attack the foundation. And no, you were not created, me talking to this person over here, you were not created, humanism isn't right. You weren't created for everything that you want and that you, and you have to have. In fact, this person still had the same struggles we talked about in the very beginning. This person had a time where they went, do I, why am I here? What am I here for? And someone spoke in the air and said, you're here for you. Whatever you wanna do, that's what you're here for. And there's where the issue took place. But instead of attacking all this stuff over here, let's bring Jesus to these people. Let's bring Jesus over here to the foundation. And then maybe when the foundation changes to theism or the belief in Jesus, when that changes, then the balloons are taken care of. And by the way, even when they come to faith in Jesus, it's still not on us to pop the balloons. Like we don't have to worry about that. Give it over to Jesus. But you don't know what they, Jesus does. Like that's on him. I don't stand accountable for what that person does with their balloon or what they do with this political affiliation or what they do with this vaccine or what they do with this identity or what they do. That's not on me. What is on me is preaching Jesus only. And I truly believe if our nation would get back to preaching Jesus only, the balloons are gonna take care of themselves because it's Jesus that does the work not us. So would you commit with me today to live a life individually and collectively to not look to repair, to not look to boom, pop the balloon, but look to restore and bring Jesus and him alone to every single person that you meet. You don't know that they know Jesus until you know that they know Jesus. So that person that's coming in your mind right now that's the person that today you need to have a conversation with and say, do you know Jesus? They get mad at you, it's not on you. They get happy with you, praise Jesus. Maybe they'll go out and say, man, I need to ask somebody. But that person that Jesus is gonna bring to your mind, that's the person that you need to talk to today. Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a second. We're not gonna have a, a come forward invitation or anything like that, but I, I do want to, I would be remiss if I didn't, believe what I just said, that just because people come to church doesn't mean that they know Jesus. So if you're in here today, and again, the Holy Spirit intervenes and they don't want me to convince you you're lost, and I have no interest in convincing you that you're not saved. But if you're in here this morning and the Holy Spirit's poking your heart and you've got the little, you got the little itch, right? You're not sure. It's like, I think back when I was seven or eight, I, I, I think I did it. Man, let me, let me be just transparent with you. You need to be that. Like, that needs to be you're 100% sure because you never talk to somebody else to Jesus if you don't know that you've been brought to Jesus. So it doesn't touch your heart in a service because he's having fun. The Holy touches your heart in a service because he wants to do something. So if he's in your heart and we want to worship him and serve him. So in a second, I'm going to pray. 
to close this invitation time. And I'm gonna ask that Jesus shows you one person that you can talk to today about him. That just telling the story, talking to them about their story, whatever the case may be, but that you would be the hands and feet of Jesus to that person today. So as I pray, you pray along with me and you pray a prayer of commitment as I am for me, but a prayer of commitment that that person you're gonna reach out to today. Father, you have called us to a life that is much greater than comforts, much greater than the things that you've asked us to do in this you know, earthly walk of ours. But Father, what I wanna ask you to do today is to show every single person, myself included, the band, sound guys, the security guys that are listening right now in their car, the kids men, staff, and, and the volunteers and the workers and the kids, would everyone here share Jesus with an individual today? Would, they, would you bring that person to their mind even now so that they can commit to telling that person? Maybe it's a person that, that we see at, at lunch today Maybe that's the person, but God, would you give us somebody to preach Jesus only to today? We love you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, what it does in our hearts. It's in your sons and I pray, amen. Well, I wanna thank you for being here with us today. Um, honestly, I'm thankful for the, uh, the lights. Didn't like nuts that time. God works in mysterious ways. So uh, I'm glad, like, God's just been good to us this morning. I'm thankful that you're here. Again, please pray, Pastor John. Uh, they're on vacation. It's not in pattern. They're taking a week away and enjoying time together. Hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.